transforming the culture of burnout that we live in, because we do live in a culture of burnout, Mm -hmm. there's two spaces we need to work. The first is like the inner work that we need to do. You know, this is, are we connected to our body? This is, you know, are we honoring our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs? Uh, Are we looking at what our boundaries are? Are we doing work that is meaningful to us? All of this is inner work. All of that is relevant to moving past the cycles of burnout that we so often end up trapped in. But there is a second element and that always comes after this. Like you need to do that inner work first. I firmly believe that you can't move to the second stage when, if you're burnt out and at rock bottom yourself, but that second stage is cultural work, right? This is the collective work that we need to be doing to change the culture of burnout. And there's many different elements to this, right? There's changing the way in which we work. There's stopping the glorification of overwork. But one of the things is, is what you mentioned. It is actually ending the assumption that we all have the same emotional resourcing, that we all have the same capacity at any one time. Namaste, beautiful souls. I'm Shilpa, and you're tuned into the Omni Mindfulness Podcast, a sanctuary for spiritual entrepreneurs. As a holistic mindfulness coach and social marketing strategist, I'm here to guide you on a transformative journey. On this show, we explore captivating stories and provide practical tools that deepen your connection with your authentic self. Through the personal and professional narratives of remarkable individuals, we expand our consciousness and ignite the spark of possibility. Each season, I curate content that empowers you to create a holistic lifestyle encompassing spirituality, mindfulness, energy awareness, and mindset. Join me as we engage in conversations with experts in their respective fields and share solo casts from yours truly, all aimed at supporting you and relaxing, revitalizing, resetting your body, mind and spirit. I'm your host and the visionary behind Omni Mindfulness. So what if just one story had the power to shift the trajectory of your life? What if you could become an instrument in helping others realize their true selves? And what if your soul's higher purpose lies in experiencing the joy of Omni Mindfulness? Remember, it's never too late to rewrite your story. Join Laura Hartley in rewriting our internal story and uncovering our purpose. As we explore the season of spirituality, Laura, an activist and transformative coach, leads the way to collective thriving and a burnt-out-free revolution. Get ready for a powerful journey of self-discovery. Hi, Laura. I'm so excited to have you back. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here. Well, I have enjoyed the two times you've already been my podcast in 2023. And to start off January 2024, as I was sharing before I hit record, that the theme of the year is spiritual solopreneurship or soulful spiritual (laughs) solopreneurship. And the reason I wanted this topic to be the meta topic for this year is I feel like a lot of us connect to the concept of overwhelm, anxiety, and burnout. And having said that, Laura, maybe you could back up, share a little bit about yourself. I mean, obviously the introduction shared a little bit, but also 
your journey into the world of entrepreneurship and who you are. Absolutely. So I'm a climate activist and I'm a coach for change makers. So my goal is really to help us lead from the world that we want to create. So, and one of the things that I think is most challenging for us when we're looking at this idea of leadership and we're looking at this idea of building worlds and businesses and the type of career that we want to see is this experience of burnout and exhaustion. Excuse me. You know, if I look at my own experience, going back a number of years now, I had my own experiences with burnout. I was in these cycles of overworking, being in jobs that I didn't particularly like, but that I felt I needed to be in and that I couldn't leave. And I had absolutely crazy expectations of either the workload or the hours that they were working. I also think, you know, there's a particular moment about six years ago when I was newly moved back to Australia from overseas. My sister was unwell. There was a lot of emotional caretaking for the family. I was in one of those jobs that I just mentioned and I was absolutely stretched to my limit. And I did everything that I could over this time. You know, I adopted a meditation practice. I went swimming. I spent a lot of time in nature. Um, you know, I was really conscious about going to yoga and looking after my health and doing everything that I could to support myself. But ultimately, you know, after a few months, despite everything that I did, I still reached this point where I left work one day and I had a panic attack. And, you know, if you've ever had a panic attack, you know how absolutely awful these are. And it was just absolutely everything came crashing down for me. And I realized at that point that something needed to change and that I needed to make big changes because I was just utterly burnt out. And that the solutions that we commonly had for burnout weren't really working. You know, fast forward a few years after that, I made some good changes. I changed job. I moved neighborhood. I built a better support network. Things were going well. I thought I'd done it. And I was uh, very engaged in climate activism. I was working in another corporate job that was a bit better, you know, building my business on the side. And I started to see these kind of threads of burnout again. I saw all of the people around me feeling exhausted, spent, you know, our creativity was completely gone. I saw my boss, the people that I was working with, working themselves to the bone, you know, up at 11 o'clock at night, sending emails or on the weekends, like checking what's happening, what can I be doing? And I started to think that something, something systemic and something cultural also has to be underlying this, that it's not just about us as individuals, that the individual work we can do matters, but we also need to look at what it is in our collective beliefs that's causing us to work in this way that is so harmful for so many of us. I certainly can relate to all of that. And what we may perceive for the longest time is maybe either cultural, like for me, it was like, oh, you have to work, you have to work hard, you have to be a doctor or this or this, and it has the big titles and push, push, push. And the other element is that once you're in that environment, perhaps like the corporate environments that I had experienced, your mentors, your boss, your colleagues are all on that spinning wheel and there's no normal aside from push yourself until you break. Yeah, well, this is what we expect as a culture, right? And I think, you know, a lot of the time I talk about this term internalized capitalism, which is really just talking about the ways that we internalize the messages of the culture that we're a part of that say that overworking is somehow a good thing. So one of the messages of capitalism is this like desire for infinite growth, that we always need to be doing more, having more, being more. 
And when we believe that message, right, that our worth is our productivity, that we can never have enough, that satiety, that being rested, that that one day we'll reach this place, right, that it's always in a future destination, however, then we're going to keep in this cycle of like pushing ourselves far beyond what we can actually carry. I think I saw a study recently that said something like 70% of workers in the US describe being burnt out. And the problem with this is that we frame it as an individual problem, like that if you just drink enough green juice and meditate enough, all of which are wonderful things, like I do them myself, they're great. But if we just do that, then we won't be burnt out. And that's not true. We need to really look at the reasons of why we're working the way that we are and what we can do to start to change that. And that also addresses the desire I have to more holistically approach how we consider um, the output of a human being, the work, you know, and is our work just limited to say the nine to five, say desk role you may have had, or I had, or is it the work we do outside of it? Because we are, I mean, if you're taking it from a more spiritual perspective, we are energy. There's only, I wouldn't say we're limited, but as human beings, we do have some boundaries and we don't necessarily honor those boundaries when we are in the nine to five corporate jobs. Absolutely. You know, and even outside of the nine to five corporate jobs, I think we don't honor our own boundaries. Like there is this idea that burnout is only because of paid work somehow. It's absolutely not the case. It is totally because of unpaid labor as well. Like, especially when we're looking at, you know, burnout within women, we need to be considering that usually there is a vast amount of unpaid labor in the home right? Looking after family, looking after partners, looking after the kids. There's often a a burden of emotional labor, which, you know, is that idea, well, even if perhaps my husband is really great with like, you know, booking the kids into the dentist or something else, but maybe I've had to think to tell him to make that appointment. So that extra unconscious processing that women are often doing to keep the place running. There is even the very story or the myth that, you know, women can have it all or can do it all. Men aren't told that story, right? Because very fortunately, a lot of the time they get to come home and have somebody else look after the house. So this idea of unpaid labor, whether that's household labor, whether that's activism, whether that's volunteering, whether that's community work, whatever it is that we're doing, that all adds up to the energy that we're expending and the way in which we're using energy that leads to exhaustion. Yes. And what's interesting about that point you just made is that the exhaustion occurs way before we are aware of it. And when we aren't even built up in a society that, you know, gives you like flags, like you're about to reach burnout, then there's basically this chronic society, right? Chronic buildup. There is. You know, I also think uh, we tend to live very neck up in our culture. And I know that this was certainly my experience. You know, I was very disconnected from my body for like so many years, for most of my life. And when I think back to that first burnout experience that I mentioned, I had no idea what was happening in my body. I thought I did, but like I was very disconnected from it. And usually if we've reached burnout, we are because it's full of like tension and tightness and like all these like little niggles and hot spots and things that are uncomfortable. But when we are disconnected from our body, right, we've usually missed all of these little warning signs before exhaustion hits. We've missed all of these little signs that say, hey, you're tired, you need to break. Or, hey, this actually isn't serving you. You're not enjoying this. This isn't giving you any sort of energy. It's taking way more from you than it's actually giving in return. 
And so I think you're right. This point of exhaustion, a lot of the time we hit it and we, we didn't even see it coming. We're just like, how did I end up here? Yeah. And that's that's the place we've got to try and avoid just hitting it because we didn't get there overnight. And we've got yeah. to start to see the signs along the way. So it's an internal job because each of us does have responsibility to, um, I would say, create space for ourselves within ourselves, emotionally and physically, to do the work we need to do to stay in harmony or balance is what I'm calling it and manage that energy, but also maybe giving grace to others and those around us. Because something as simple as, I remember I was at the checkout counter at Trader Joe. I don't know if you have Trader Joe's where you live. And there was a newer woman. She was a little bit um, older. I don't want to say old, but older. Like she had asked for me to move the basket at a certain angle. And I realized that just giving that grace, allowing somebody to, you know, like recognizing that the, these are people with different um, physio physio physiological conditions going on, mental, emotional. And a lot of us just brush past people on a daily basis, not pausing enough to know that what is the collective um, stress that's being put on each of us. Absolutely. I. You know, and this is, I love that you've kind of brought this up because I actually really do think that when we're looking at healing burnout and if we're looking particularly at transforming the culture of burnout that we live in, because we do live in a culture of burnout, mm -hmm. there's two spaces we need to work. The first is like the inner work that we need to do. You know, this is, are we connected to our body? This is, you know, are we honoring our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs? Uh, are we looking at what our boundaries are? Are we doing work that is meaningful to us? All of this is inner work. All of that is relevant to moving past the cycles of burnout that we so often end up trapped in. But there is a second element, and that always comes after this. Like, you need to do that inner work first. I firmly believe that. You can't move to the second stage when if you're burnt out and at rock bottom yourself. But that second stage is cultural work, right? This is the collective work that we need to be doing to change the culture of burnout. And there's many different elements to this, right? There's changing the way in which we work. There's stopping the glorification of overwork. But one of the things is, is what you mentioned. It is actually ending the assumption that we all have the same emotional resourcing, that we all have the same capacity at any one time, because we don't. And often we're working with people and we have no idea of uh, some sometimes what is happening in their inner worlds. Right, that they're perhaps caring for a loved one who's unwell. Maybe they've had a parent or a partner or a friend pass away. You know, maybe they've got some health challenges. Maybe they've got some financial difficulties. Whatever it might be, and we've got to actually give a little bit of grace, a little bit of compassion, and a little bit of space to start to just respect where people are at, as well as check in where they're at, particularly if we're working with them. Absolutely, and one of the my big epiphanies, I think I've shared this story with you into why I recognized that the external world in which I was functioning or trying to function, I wasn't functioning anymore <laughs> because I was burnt out, which was working in a corporate environment as a mom of a less than one-year-old and being on a 14-hour flight, returning from Australia only to be met with by my husband who told me my mom suddenly passed away while I was mid-flight and she wasn't ill she wasn't sick 
There was no closure. And about a few weeks later, I'm back at work, or not even a few weeks, like two weeks later. And someone approached me and said, hey, are you better now? I'm like, well, I don't think I'll ever be the same. <laughs> right. and, then, and, like, and so why do, like, when you are out on, what do they call it, grievance or when you're out? Bereavement leave. Yeah. Why is there a limit? Why not work with the individual in ba based on their period? Who, who, excuse my friend, who the F made up that you have two weeks to get over it? Absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of companies as well that only offer like three days paid bereavement leave, which is so inadequate. And I'm so sorry that that experience happened as well, because like that's really an example of a, a, a lack of embodied care right? On the surface, it can seem like care, like, oh, are you doing better? Like, how are you? You fine now? But mm -hmm. it actually, it lacks all the nuance and the depth and the emotion that actually recognizes the experience of what has just happened, that we've lost somebody incredibly close to us in a way that was completely unexpected. Yeah. And so we need to look at the, the environment in which we're working. And look, there are some corporates that I'm sure are better than others. Everyone is different. I've worked in a number of different corporates over the years and uh, no longer anymore, thankfully. But so often there was within them this idea that more important than anything, that we just keep pushing. We just get the work done, right? That everything was urgent. Everything was time sensitive. You know, it's fine. Your emotions can wait. We'll deal with that next week or we'll deal with this conflict next week or whatever it might be. But like right now, there's this thing that's come up and we've got to get it done. Yeah. And this way of working is, is not, a, I, I see it almost as a form of violence, right? It's like physically and psychically violent against ourselves that it doesn't consider what we're experiencing, what we're going through, what, what our needs are, what our desires are, what lights us up. It's just the whole purpose is productivity and to just keep producing. And that's something that I think we've got to start to challenge inside of ourselves as well. Then that's one of the reasons I started to really question my own impact. Because I since, and I've mentioned this to you, I have confidence in what I accomplished in corporate I thought I was really good I still think I'm really good and I enjoyed it but did I enjoy it anymore because of the environment that was one of the reasons the corporate environments but the second one was I didn't believe I was making an impact anymore because it was all about this bottom line there were these cliche words I'd come home and make fun of like um I guess you know we have traction now we're moving and it's a go, go, go time, all hands on deck. I'm like, come on, the cliches will never stop. And to what end? Often the projects get canceled and half the team is let go of. And why? Somebody burnt out and they spent countless nights, they lost times with their children. And then to what? What was the higher purpose? Mm. You know, I, I very much agree with you. And I remember a job years ago where we had uh, a competition for our favorite corporate word at the end of the year. I think leverage was like a highlight at that time that was like voted for by many people. But there is this question of, of what brings us meaning in life. And again, this, this question ties in deeply to burnout because a lot of the time when we're exhausted and we're burnt out and we're kind of just pushing through, it is in part because we're doing work that isn't truly meaningful to us.
it might be helping people or um, it might be supposed to help people but a lot of the time in our actual bodies in our actual lives in our souls is kind of just feeling like something that's not aligned anymore and so this is one of the challenges of the world that we're in from in my in my mind I see us kind of straddling two worlds at the moment the world as it is which is filled still with many corporates which don't offer a greater purpose to the world you know they they give a big talk and a big mission statement, but a lot of the time they're just perpetuating the status quo and their primary aim is the bottom line. Burnout is rife in them because they don't offer us anything in return. They only take from us. And then we're also straddling the world as it could be, which is the world that I think so many of us are trying to build, particularly those of us who are working as solopreneurs in like these more spiritual professions in change-making professions and caregiving professions that actually like, hey, you know, things could be different. And start to recognize that my well-being, our well-being is deeply linked with a better world. Because that's that's the key point here, right? The more that we flourish, the more too that society can around us. And we are essentially setting the new standard for what we believe is possible. And I just read something today, and it was something to the effect of do less to be more. And oh. You know, I like and, that. And again, like the old school corporate cultural thing resists, fights that notion in me. I'm like, oh, you, you, you need to wake up early. You need to do this. Not, I'm so structured. I work hard. <laughs> what well, is it? Hustle mean? and grind, right? And but this is like, so I mentioned before internalized capitalism. And I, I think I may have spoken about it on a previous episode with you. But, you know, this kind of comes back to the wider economic system that we live in. We live inside a system that prioritizes growth at all costs, right? The only definition of success is growth. That's really important because growth doesn't mean success, right? Growth doesn't mean well-being. Growth doesn't mean flourishing or thriving. Growth just means growth, but we equate it to mean success. So when we live inside a system built on that principle, let alone also built on scarcity, also built on devaluing beautiful living systems like a body and like the rainforest, then we're going to start to act out those patterns. We're not going to listen to all those signs within us. We're going to say, well, that's fine, but I always need to be leveling up. I need to be doing better. I can be more, right? I can improve. And then self-work becomes this form of like, oh, how can I like, just like, I can meditate a bit more and I can do some more yoga and I can add in the gym and I can, I can do all of the things. And again, we're not doing it out of nourishment. We're doing it out of like extracting, pushing, so this energy of which we're operating is so important to come back to because it's cultural. And so it's up to us to do the work of getting free. And when you were saying this, even if it was probably unconscious on your part, you you, you mentioned those words, the corporate words that you and I mocked together. I believe that a lot of those words, though, go back to violent thinking, violent vibration. You know, the whole concept of nonviolent thinking or communication. But just think about it. Trigger. Shoot kill two birds with one stone <laughs> oh, yes. deadline uh it's a minefield out there um i'm just gonna shoot off an email like there's so many our whole language is is written with violence it and I, that's really fascinating because like if that is the language that we're using how is that language shaping the way in which we're feeling in the world are we feeling safe are we feeling connected are we feeling embodied or are we feeling kind of like defensive and uptight and rigid and like I've got to like control everything and oh like don't let go don't don't relax because I think all of this starts to matter when we start to look at well why do we act this way 
And it, it particularly starts becoming an issue, not maybe like when you're in your 20s or 30s and maybe detached from the outside world. Remember I was sharing with you before we hit record that, oh, why care about the world? Because when you're in a corporate building with those little corporate walls, that's the real world. That's what they make you want to believe, right? Well, it becomes a form of groupthink, I think, you know, that when we go into these organizations, one, we want to belong. We want to do a good job. We want to have opportunities. And so we tend to start to, to match the, the culture around us, the people that we're sitting with, the shared collective goals that we have to make an organization succeed. But the problem is a lot of the time that ends up detached from what actually is meaningful and true to us, where our authentic values lie, where our authentic well-being lies. And if we really start to say, well, hey, are the values of the company that I'm working for, are the values of the way in which that I'm working, and then my personal values actually in alignment here? And a lot of the time they're not. So there is this sense that we need to kind of question, well, you know, how do I maintain what is true for me when I'm going into an environment that's exactly four walls, gray walls, rows of desks, and it's so easy to just fall into, fall into line. And to be known, when I was younger, I didn't know there were any other options. I needed a job. I was trying to build my own career while not getting married off into an arranged marriage and defining my own path. Well, that meant I needed to be independent financially and to get work quickly and then appear sustained on my own was important. Well, at that time, then thinking, what are my core values? Can I find a company that really aligns with my core values? <laughs> Sometimes that was a luxury I didn't have. It It is a luxury and it is a privilege as well. You know, I... I, I say that now, like, it, it's wonderful to, like, look for that and to make that important. But that is a privilege to be able to do that. You know, I certainly didn't always have that privilege. Neither did you, neither do many of us. But that does make us start to question then, well, if I can't find an organization that is aligned, how do I start to look at the longer term vision of my life, right? So maybe it's not about this year. Maybe it's not about next year. Maybe we need to be where we are. We need to get the financial resources that we need to get. But what am I thinking about for like five years, for 10 years? Is there an organization that matches? Do I want to be self-employed? If so, how would I put those values into my business? And how would I start to live these values in my personal life too? Because remember, it's not burnout's not just about work. It's also about everything else that we're doing. And particularly for women, so often we try to do everything. We try to do it all. And it's that trying to do it all, all at once, that really is leading to so much of what we're experiencing today. And I've noticed the symptoms here and there, and it sort of creeps up on you because when you're go, 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 you've just transferred those, I would say, habits into now as a solopreneur, but you may not have shifted and aligned yet. And that, that happened for me. So I remember just when I was stepping away from corporate and doing more consulting and contract, my son was young and I felt like, hey, you know, I get to spend more time with him, drop him off at school. And then what I'll do is I'll go to the high intensity fitness training for an hour. Then I'll go to yoga. Then I'll work for three hours. Then I'll get groceries, cook, and then I'm burnt out. <laughs> yep, exactly. Right. But, you know, you should be able to do all of that. Right. You know, it's fine. Exercise is good for you. You've got to fit it in somewhere. Like it's fine time with the kids, all of this. Like 
it's the idea is we're never allowing a space to pause and to breathe and to say, hey, what do we actually need today? Maybe some weeks that high intensity class is great. Maybe other weeks it's not mm-hmm. for you. But we have this idea that our energy is supposed to be always the same all of the time. And that, you know, from 9 a.m. Monday to 5 p.m. Friday, it's supposed to always just be on. And it just doesn't work like that, right? Everything in the natural world operates in seasons and in cycles, whether it is the moon, the tides, the seasons, the weather, our body, our circadian rhythms, it all is operating in a cyclical manner. And yet we somehow treat our lives like they're this linear, straight, extractive line that we can just keep pushing, keep pulling or keep racing against. And it doesn't work. So returning to this idea of what do I need right now? Where am I at right now? is so key. And again, then that goes back to the spiritual element of what you're doing, the alignment and this esoteric concept that I used to think of as esoteric, at least, is being present, being present with yourself, being present with your own energy, knowing your energy. You know, some concept that you're probably familiar with is that uh, basically feelings in your body are there locked once you've had the emotions but when those emotions are uncensored or those thoughts are uncensored then the disruption occurs on a more physical level that's not something that anyone really talks about when you're outside of this whole spiritual mindfulness space yeah well i i think you know certainly in corporates and you know in a lot of the working world there's this idea that almost feelings shouldn't exist at all that you know it you shouldn't, it's fine. After hours, you can feel that, but like it's work. There's business and there's work. There's work and there's pleasure, right? Work and life. There's a clear Mm -hmm. distinction and life is over where you do all of those things, but work, which you balance the two because they're not the same, you know, there's no room for any of that. But I agree is burnout isn't something that is just a little bit of stress. It's not something that happens because we had a really stressful week and I stayed up too late working to get this project done. It is something that is a result of chronic stress that has been there very often for weeks, months, years on end. And so when we're disconnected from the feelings for that long of what we're experiencing, that heightened stress response, that fear response, that anxiety, that tension, then all of that's living in our body. All of that is staying there until it's kind of ready to be unpacked and and processed. And why allow the next generation? I mean, I'm kind of like, I feel like this is a gift you and I could give to next generation or perhaps even people that are listening. Why wait until your body is now sending you a very tragic signal from someplace, whether it's an emotional signal or combined with a physical um, issue? And I just recently read or listened to a friend who's now dealing with a parent that's not doing well. So that added layer of um, stress it becomes too much and it's often too late because at this point you're trying to manage energy on so many levels like will I survive the job but my mom but meantime I um am, I've got this chronic arthritis in the back how do I manage all of these things Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Burnout is a spectrum, right? And actually, this is really important. Burnout is a spectrum. And we tend to cycle up and down this spectrum. So, you know, this is why we all have different experiences, because the mild end of the spectrum is things like 
apathy and headaches and feeling overwhelmed and kind of we've lost our spark. But then the severe end of that spectrum is things like autoimmune disease. Um, and and you're sick a lot more often. There's conflict, there's relationship breakdown. It's not just exhaustion anymore. It's difficult to get out of bed. And so how long it takes to reach from the mild to the severe end is kind of like how long is a piece of string? For every single person, it's different. But when we've missed those signs, right, and we just like ignore those ignore the completely off the burnout spectrum and just normal stress, then ignore the mild end and say, well, I can fix that. I just got to take a vacation. I've got two weeks coming up. I've got that off. I'll feel so much better afterwards. And you do because you come back and you've had two weeks off, but then you do start working the exact same way and you move further and further down the spectrum. And it's easy to say this. I think it's harder to live that not only is it not worth it and not enjoyable to be burnt out, that none of us benefit from this. But I think what is really important and that we often don't consider is that it doesn't help anybody. We sometimes think that, well, it's fine that I'm a bit burnt out and exhausted, right? Because I'm helping all of these people because I'm still saying yes to everything that I don't want to be doing. I'm still pushing myself beyond my limits. I'm still equating urgency to mean that I can reject my own needs because they're obviously not important because urgency comes first. That somehow someone is benefiting. And I don't think that's true. I don't think anyone is benefiting when we're burnt out. Not us and not other people and not the world. You know, so this idea, if we're looking at the younger generation, I'd really be looking at, well, hey, do you want to make a difference in the world? Like so many uh, Gen Z do. That will not come from your burnout. That will not come from your exhaustion. It comes from our flourishing. It comes from our well-being. And it's so important that we start to really prioritize that. And if you're truly into that esoteric spiritual stuff, you often are oh, reminded that if you're energy is low if your vibratory energy is low then more than likely you will bring other people down because you know I mean how many times have I been around people my loved ones or others who were burnt out and they're cranky they're tired or in my mom's case her diabetes would flare up you know so just seeing her push and push herself I often was aware that there is unaddressed lack of um, I don't know, attention to managing that energy? Absolutely. You know, I, I see that as well. My mother too, uh, often sick, you know, my sister, uh, so many people I know and love who have pushed themselves beyond their limits and their desires and they end up in these patterns of constantly feeling sick, overwhelmed and, you know, not enjoying life. But I think it's your saying about energy, is also that we can't make change from the same energy that we're trying to to change. So we have this idea, right? That we're, I, I can fix this if I just keep pushing. Like that pushing is what you're trying to change. We want more ease. We want more beauty. We want more love. We want more courage, more compassion in this world. That means embodying all of those things ourselves. We can't struggle enough to produce it outside of us. We can only live it. And that's really important distinction. Yeah, I was just telling my husband the other day, someone in my family is really going through some heavy stuff, burnout and a milieu of other issues, you know, a death in the family and everything. And I was reminded that the problems cannot be solved at the same level that they're created. And I feel like you're saying something very similar. 
Very much so. Exactly. You know, that we we cannot change the world with the same thinking that created it. We cannot make change with the same energy that we're looking to change. So that place has to start within us. Is this how we want to be? And if it's not, what can we do right here, right now to make a change? And maybe we can't change everything yet. Maybe we can't change the job and all the big stuff yet. And sometimes it's really hard to start looking at, well, how do I start to change my whole corporate environment, which is very much conducive to burnout. But we can start with in this moment, right here, right now, in your body, what do you need? Do you need a glass of water? Do you need a stretch? Do you need a nap? Do you need to be outside? What do you need this weekend? Do you have time to get out into nature? Do you have time to slow down? This pausing and just offering ourselves what we need right now is this really simple beginner step that we can all do. And you've actually even written a course about this, right? I have. So, you know, I mentioned at the beginning my own experiences with burnout. And I started so much of this work out of my own experiences and out of seeing burnout in everyone around me. And I started a course called Internal Revolution. So this looks at the cultural aspects of burnout that exist in capitalism and patriarchy. It looks at the steps we can do of reconnecting to our body, looking at our needs. And it also looks at this idea of purpose and wider cultural change. So it's a journey that really takes people from kind of A to B. But if you're experiencing burnout or just wanting to kind of end the culture that you're a part of, it's worth checking out. Wonderful. You can find more information about the course, which I think is very timely in the show notes. And starting off 2024, give yourself grace, right? Any parting words about this overall concept of what I I was calling, what did I say? Unveiling purpose and tying it to burnout. I would say a couple of things. I would say if we're looking at purpose and we're looking at creating a better world, it will not come from our exhaustion. It will come from your flourishing. So what are the conditions that you need to thrive, right? What are the conditions in your body, in your relationships, in your career, in your life as a whole that you need to thrive? Because as we thrive, so too will our planet. The two are linked and married. So that's my advice for anybody today. Start to plant the seeds of that question and and see what germinates out of that space. Wonderful, Laura. I resonate with everything you said. And I especially love the fact that you now connected it to the planet and our outside world. So that'll be our topic for April. Ah, Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on today, Shilpa. It was such a joy. It was such a joy. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in, sweet soul. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful for your kind review on Apple Podcast. Simply click on the link in the show notes to leave your lovely feedback and uplift our spirits. Your support means the world to me and helps our show thrive. So please show me your love and continue to practice Omni Mindfulness.